What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin here, joined as always by the FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year, back-to-back years, Matt Self. Matt, we have football back, we have NASCAR, we have so much going on. How are you doing? Uh, I am good. This is the fourth sport that I've covered today. We're recording this. It's after the Thursday Night Football game just ended. Um, Yeah, I did some baseball with the hitting coach today. I did NFL with the weekly matchup report that came out. I did some college football playbook work there with for Dan Servadidio, just like trimming it up. You'll see when it comes out on Friday. Um, and did NASCAR track breakdown that's out, and you know now we're doing the podcast. So that's kind of the times we're living in right now, doing four sports a day. <laughs> yeah, I saw some tweet or, or something earlier that it's the first time ever where there's NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, uh, I think – MLS and WNBA it's the first time where all these sports are falling on one day but you know that's 2020 for you um yeah. <laughs> so we're in the playoffs uh Kevin Harvick won last week right I feel like an idiot asking this but um pretty sure he won last week <laughs> yes yes he did yeah uh, that's how long oh. the week's been oh. I, asked, I, yeah. I forgot who won the Southern 500 <laughs> Kevin Harvick won uh, this time with fans in the stands, which was, which had him pretty well pumped up. Austin Dillon gave it all he could. He muster. drove the wheels off that car. Literally, he was sideways in the last <laughs> turn. That was exciting. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. probably should have won it, or Chase Elliott should have won it. Uh, but with a few laps to to go, Truex thought he was clear and wasn't, and took Chase Elliott and himself out of contention. So. Uh, by the way, that makes the third uh, Joe Gibbs car that has had a run-in with Chase Elliott in the last like year and a half. Denny Hamlin hit him in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Kyle Busch took him out at Darlington earlier this year. And now Martin Truex Jr. took him out <laughs> at Darlington last weekend. So I think there's a vendetta growing <laughs> between JGR and Chase Elliott. I don't, I don't know, though. Could be. Uh, obviously, when we get to the driver pool this week, we'll have plenty to talk about with Joe Gibbs Racing, but we'll talk a little bit of news, some programming notes first. Um, big news out of NASCAR earlier today is that Bubba Wallace will not be returning to the 43 car for Richard Petty Motorsports. Um, seems like it could be uh, a pretty telling or, or just a bad sign for RPM. Uh, with I mean, Bubba's not a winner. However, given the events of the past six months or so Bubba has had a lot of endorsement deals and sponsorships come in and that's a lot of money that is automatically or just so suddenly kind of leaving Richard Petty Motorsports yeah I mean he's having he's in the midst of a career year at this point um there was that big showing of support for him at Talladega uh a few months ago uh Richard Petty even like you know gave him a hug on the starting grid um so yeah that's definitely going to sting rpm some because i think in the last three weeks bubba wallace has had four new sponsors join right. with him i think something like that there was cash app doordash uh, i think columbia outerwear and then there was just another one like this week or last Plus he week. still has the beats by dre sponsorship doesn't he? right then he got beats by dre earlier this year um so yeah he's got quite a lot of money rolling in so that's gonna sting rpm 
Bubba has not announced where he's going yet. Um, he did say earlier this year he has an offer on the table from Chip Ganassi for the 42 yeah. car. Obviously, there's still a seat open at Hendrick, whether it be the 48 or the 88, depending on the reports you believe about how they're going to shift some folks around. Um, but it'll be interesting because it seems right now, based on the lay of the land, there might actually be more cup drivers that don't have seats next year than there are open seats at this point. So um, that'll be kind of interesting to watch over the next few few months. Definitely agree. Very interesting landscape. Um, as far as programming notes go, uh, we have two Xfinity races, one on Friday, one on Saturday. Kyle Busch is running in the Friday race. Now, I'm not impressed with the contest that DraftKings is putting out. In general, Kyle Busch slates are more difficult for Xfinity anyway. He's priced at $17,000, which means if you're playing him, you're, you and everyone else that's playing Kyle Busch, you're going to end up on the same lineup. For this reason... Uh, and because I can't really put much much research into it, I'm not doing a playbook for Friday's race. I am going to do one for Saturday's race. Um, given my work schedule, I'm also probably not going to be in the chat up until lock. Uh, it's just a race and a contest that I just don't want to go super heavy with. Um, I started writing a playbook. I started looking at the drivers and, and everyone else's salary. I played around building a couple lineups, and it's just I couldn't really settle on anything that I liked. So I'm actually not playing Friday Slate. Um, that's my final piece on that, but there will be a Saturday playbook for Xfinity. Uh, Matt, do you have any special programming notes? Um, not really. I mean, the track breakdown is out already. Um, you know, it's back to its pretty normal uh, form there. Um, and then... DFS rankings and projections will be out Friday morning. Uh, playbook for Cup will probably be out Friday late afternoon, I would assume. Mm -hmm. um, it is a Saturday night race this week, so pay oh, attention to that. It's a Saturday night race. NASCAR does not want to go up against opening weekend <laughs> for the NFL, <laughs> which makes him. sense. Um, so, yes, be aware it is a, I believe, 730 Eastern uh, lock there on Saturday night. So a um, little bit of a shorter weekend this weekend. Uh, next weekend, I believe, is also a Saturday night race, if I'm not mistaken, at Vegas. Uh, but I'll double-check on that for you. So th those are our programming notes. Wait, when's Bristol? Oh, sorry, it's not Vegas next weekend. It's Bristol next okay. weekend. And it's a Saturday night Bristol race. It's a Sunday night Vegas race two weeks from now. Okay. Um, but yes, Bristol next weekend in the cutoff race <laughs> under the lights at Bristol on a Saturday night for a playoff cutoff race is going to be insane. Um, but this week it'll be nuts too. Cause it's actually the first time they've raced at Richmond this year, which is nuts. Normally, this is normally like a two race track every year. Yes. Normally right. they race here in May and then they race here like either in the playoffs or it's previously been the last race before the playoffs. Um, but due to the COVID reshuffling, Richmond lost one of its dates so that the two races at Darlington earlier this year and the second Charlotte race, the, like the Wednesday night Charlotte race, mm -hmm. one of those made up for the May Richmond race. So, yeah. um, if you're having deja vu though, I believe they did race it in the iRacing schedule. 
I'm pretty sure they raced Richmond in iRacing. Sounds uh, which accurate. doesn't count. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this will be the first time that the Cup cars are actually on track at Richmond this year. Uh, still no practice this weekend. Uh, the field was set by the formula with the playoff guys starting in the top 16 spots and then everybody else shuffling in however the formula puts them. So with that, um, you know, if you're not familiar with Richmond, it's a three-quarter of a mile short track. It's fairly flat. Uh, it is a tri-oval. Um, so there is not a whole lot of straight track, actually, at Richmond. Um it kind of looks like Phoenix a little bit. You can compare it to Phoenix and New Hampshire if you want a couple of uh, comparable tracks. Um, it's the only one that's a three-quarter of a mile track, but it's flat, and Phoenix and New Hampshire one-mile flat track. So uh, that's why those are comparable. So It definitely uh, looks more like a D than it does like a typical tri-oval. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like if you compacted Michigan or Auto Club down by like, two-thirds you'd get richmond right yeah that's accurate basically so it's just a lot of turning time for a short mm-hmm. track because there's no the only actual straight part of the track is the back stretch um because the front stretch is curved and then you got turns one and two and three and four that obviously turn so yeah. that's the layout for richmond it is known as the action track it should be a fun fun short track there are 400 laps in this race the 400 refers to the number of laps in this race. So laps led will be a factor. All right. Let's just dive in. We'll start yep, talking to drivers. Uh, Kevin Harvick on the pole. Joey Logano right next to him on the front row. Uh, both guys have a pretty solid history here. I know you and I have been pretty vocal about how we're kind of off Joey Logano. Uh, this seems like another week to be off of him just because he never seems to have the right setup. And he can only really go backwards from here. Harvick, though, the... You're paying for laps like Dominator, and you really just hope that he can finish in the top five and not lose too much PD. And for a guy of his pedigree, you can probably rely on him to get a good finish. He has a good history here. He's in yeah. position to lead a bunch of laps. Um, for the truck race earlier tonight, you know, Austin Hill was on the pole, and I think he led the first 65 laps. So it's easy for the pole sitter to get out, or somebody on the front row, it's easy for them to get out and lead a bunch of early laps um, at the beginning of the race. Yep, exactly. Um, his average finish over the last four races here is 4.8. His average finish over the last eight races here is 6.1. That's Harvick. Uh, he's got six top fives in the last eight races. So his shot of finishing top five yet again here is pretty good. Um, you know, on average, he's led about 20 laps a race, but he's put up about 31 fastest laps. So mm-hmm. you're still getting pretty decent amount of dominator points out of him here um so yeah i would i would lean harvick over logano on that one because logano's just been he's been okay i mean his finishes have been decent of late but the problem is he's not leading laps um and you just never know with his setup if he's gonna hit it or not so um yeah it's back to the harvick well once more all right uh i'm actually gonna kind of group the next three drivers uh there Okay. Uh, Austin Dillon, Alex Bowman, William Byron, a trio of Chevys right here, all priced under 8K, all starting in the top five. Uh, Austin Dillon is a very interesting driver. He's very tough to play with this kind of a starting spot. Um, 
But he's in the playoffs, and clearly this means a lot to him. He's, he was very aggressive last week, looked very good in it, finishing second. Who's your favorite play out of this group? I kind of want to lean Bowman, although Dylan is pretty exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, I put Austin Dillon uh, in my Tier 2 drivers uh, in the uh, track breakdown. Um, yeah, the starting spot's a bit high, but I think that might keep some people off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he nearly won that Southern 500 last week. I mean, he was literally driving the wheels off the thing. He, that three car has been fast. And you got to keep in mind, too, because I think he qualified. He was being scored from 12th. Had to go to the rear at the beginning right. of the race and worked all all the way back up and finished second. Right, exactly. Um, so that was a pretty quick car he had last week. I think that this could be the week um, to play him because he's got kind of a checkered history at Bristol, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and so obviously he's looking to solidify his standing here in the playoffs. Um so I think he could be an interesting mid-tier guy for sure. Um, Byron doesn't really excite me in this spot. Agreed. Richmond hasn't really been his cup of tea. I mean, he's been okay here, but starting in the top five is not a great, not a great spot for him. Bowman, yeah, I could see, I could see some interest in Bowman there. Um, starting in the four spot, he's used to starting up front at this point. <laughs> he's done it quite a lot this year um so yeah that that's my take on those love it uh starting sixth right next to william byron kyle bush 9800 on DraftKings, still very cheap Eleven thousand seven hundred on fanduel very good history at richmond uh all of jgr pretty much has a good history yep. at richmond uh i believe before we we started recording you said kyle bush won both races at richmond in 2018 he's He's getting, I guess you could call it, practice Friday night in the Xfinity race. I mean, he's he's raced in four Xfinity races this year. He's never finished worse than third. He won two of them, but at the same time, hasn't translated to cup level at all because he hasn't had a win. Um, but at the same time, it's still Kyle Busch. It's a track he has a good history at. How do we feel about KB18 this week? KFB. Um, well, he needs uh, – he didn't have a great race at Darlington, right? If I'm not mistaken, I don't believe so. And he he had some issues there. Um, sorry, folks. It's just been it's just it's been, been a crazy. long. It's week. been a very long. It's week super here. late. Um, but yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't have the greatest race at Darlington. Um, so he kind of needs to get on a little bit better standing here. Um, for the playoffs. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna. Be pretty heavy there on Kyle Busch, especially on DraftKings at 9,800. Is he in a position where he can can he advance to the next round on playoff points, or does he really need a win to get to the next round? Um, I think as long as he doesn't have a bad finish, I think he'll be fine. Um, let me see exactly where the um, standings are. So he well, okay, no, I'm I'm incorrect on that. He's only seven above the cutoff right now. Okay. Um. So he's going to need some pretty some really good finishes or a win. Uh, luckily for him, the next two races are Richmond and Bristol, which are probably two of his best. I mean, Bristol is his best track by far. Um, 
so yeah, I I'm a big fan of Kyle Busch this week. All right, next row we have uh, Kyle Busch's teammate Denny Hamlin at eleven thousand six hundred on DraftKings, and we have Kyle Busch's brother Kurt Busch at ninety one hundred. Kurt is once again reasonably pro- reasonably priced. Um, you know, he's, he's not sexy, but he's got teeth. Uh, Denny had some mild issues before last week's race. Just said it, the car didn't feel right. Um, ultimately, it just wasn't a good day for him, which was unfortunate because he was chalk. Uh, but this week, you kind of want to go back to the well with him, right? Because, I mean, JGR has a good history here. And more often than not, his car has had a good setup this year. Yeah, I mean, JGR has been very, very good. This is also Denny Hamlin's home track. He grew up not really all that far from it in um, Chesterfield. Um so yeah, he likes to. He tends to like to show off here at his home track, uh, which has shown based on his average finish, and locking in three top five finishes in the last four uh, Richmond races and six top fives in the last eight Richmond races. And he's actually got the best average finish over those last eight races at five point three. So uh, he's he's pretty intriguing. The only downside is that price on DK with him being the most expensive guy on DK, he's going to have to lead laps mm-hmm. to hit value because just moving up a handful of spots and winning and only leading, let's say the final lap isn't going to do it. He's going to have to lead quite a few laps um, to hit, to hit value. So that's the only knock I have on Denny Hamlin. Yeah. I think from his starting spot, yeah, cause he needs 58 points for five X value. And even if he just, goes from 7th to 1st, that's 52 points. So he definitely right. needs dominator points. Yeah, he's going to need some common... I mean, he's still going to need like 6-7 points where the laps led in fastest laps. So he doesn't have to lead all that many laps, but he's definitely going to have to get some dominator points to creak over that 5x. Right. Um, and Kurt Busch... I'll save Kurt Busch for next weekend. Um, Bristol? At Bristol... Whereas I've taken to calling it Bushdol because the Bush <laughs> brothers basically own that place. Um, so yeah, what, uh, not that big of a fan of Kurt Busch this week. All right, next row we have Brad Kislowski and Eric Almarola. Kislowski is ten thousand one hundred. Almarola is eighty five hundred. A lot of people were very were excited about Kislowski last week, myself included. Got burned. Didn't work out. Kind of going back to the well this week just because. He's, he's that guy where it's like, you know, you, you never can get a good read. He does well when you don't play him. When you do play him, he kind of flames out. Uh, I'm always going to get exposure to Brad Kislowski because he does have the rabbit's foot. He he can get immensely lucky with track position and, and steal a race. For Almirola, um, I like the price tag, and I'll get a little exposure. I just feel like the, the magic that he had over the last couple months when the season restarted, I think it's just wearing out a little bit. Yeah, agreed. Um, last year in the spring race here, Kozlowski started eighth, finished seventh, had 18 fastest laps and 31 laps led. So that kind of gives you an idea of what he can do starting from mid-pack. Um, Almarola, on the other hand, was kind of all over the place last year in the two races. He started 31st in the spring race and finished 23rd. And then in the fall race, he started seventh and finished 17th. So... Kind of goes to show you what Dan was talking about there with the, the you know, one guy's got the, the rabbit's foot where he just kind of shows up at the right place at the right time late in the race, and that would be Kislowski. There's four top tens in the last four races here. Um, 
Almirola, yeah, that speed he had earlier this year seems to have dissipated. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that price tag on DK, I'll have some exposure to him just to right. see what happens, but I'm more in favor of Keselowski. All right, next row. Sorry for the pause. Uh, Clint Boyer, Chase Elliott. Uh, Chase, oh, man. He is snake-bitten, man. What do we say about Chase? Because, like, the cars looked really good. Yes. Um, I think his last one was, what, the Tona Road Course? Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Once again, we apologize. It's super late. Um, but I mean, either aside from that race, like the car has looked really good, was looking really strong last week prior to the wreck with Truex. Um, but what can we expect from him here necessarily? Uh, modest position differential, pretty good average finish of 8.8. But at the same time, it's just like there are better drivers in the field that, you know, you might say are worth paying up for. You know, Truex, who we're going to talk about, is just $400 more than he is. And he's starting two spots behind Chase. Yeah, um, so Chase had an average finish here last year in this package um, of 14 and a half, okay? The problem is he got there two separate ways. In the spring race, he started 32nd and finished 15th. In the fall race, he started 3rd and finished 14th. So that's not exactly what you want to see out of a guy that's kind of this pricey and has been a little bit more hit and miss than we'd like to see uh, this year. So, it's, I mean, it's just tough to judge Chase because the year before that, he started 18th and finished 4th, and then he started 2nd and finished 2nd. So, um, this can be a very good track for Chase Elliott. Um, Problem is, which Chase are you going to get? The one that finishes where he should finish or the one that has a late race issue, whether it be an accident, a bad pit stop, a uh, bad pit call. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Clint Boyer, though, he's my contrarian play of the week this week. Go on. I really like Clint Boyer. Um, he is a very good short track racer. If we remember back to Bristol, Bristol is basically his best track, statistically speaking. Guy finishes like in the top 10 nearly every time he goes there. And so I think people might just be waiting for next week and look past him a little bit this week and not really realize that Clint Boyer is also very good at Richmond. Last four races here, he's got four top tens and an average finish of 7.8. So he's he's really kind of started to figure this place out. And at $2,200 cheaper than Chase Elliott on DK Mm -hmm. and almost $1,000 cheaper on FanDuel, I'll take the guy with the more consistent track history in Clint Boyer. All right. Love that because Clinton was previously not on my radar at all. Next row, Cole Custer, 7,300. Nice price tag. He's got a little bit of PD, but at the same time, he's starting next to Martin Truex Jr., who is probably the chalk of the slate. Yep. 10,900 isn't even that bad of a price tag for a guy who has PD. He can get to the front. He can he can lead laps and, and get the dominator points. Truex is going to be owned everywhere and in all formats, right? Yep. Uh, when the lineup came out on Wednesday, I texted you and said MTJ is going to be the highest played guy on the slate. The guy won two races here last year. They only race here twice, so that means he swept Richmond. 
and since that time, he's been nearly unbeatable on short tracks. Like the guy has been just phenomenally good at short track racing. Um, now he's got PD upside because he's starting what 14th, right? Um, it's just it's just ridiculous. Uh, the guy has the best driver rating in the field over the last four races here at a. 128.6 by the way a perfect one is 150 so that's pretty dang on good uh he leads the most laps on average has like the second most fastest laps on average the guy and by the way i don't know if anybody realizes this but he's finished in the top five in the last eight races this season like eight straight races in the pretty top good. five so he's pretty he's good. hitting his stride at the right time, he nearly won last week had he not been, like, two inches short of making a pass. Um, yeah, I, I think MTJ is going to be the highest played guy on the slate. All right. Uh, next row, the final two drivers remaining in the uh, playoff pool, I guess. Ryan Blaney at 9,500 on DraftKings. Matt Benedetto at 7,500 on DraftKings. Is this a good spot to play Matty D? Um, he's a super speedway guy, and he's a short track guy. Uh, he's gotten better at mile and a half, especially this year. But is this a track that he's typically done pretty well at? The spreadsheet that you sent me says no. But at the same time, like, you know, this is a year where I try not to put a ton of value or weight into previous year's history. I mean, it's hard to ignore with Truex and, and Joe Gibbs. And Joe Gibbs. But at the same time, this feels like it could be a good spot to take advantage of Matty D, where he's kind of a value option, but he does offer PD as well. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's been it's been tough with Matty D here this year because obviously we like to go off of track history and we like to have an idea of how these guys have done uh, at the tracks. But for him this year, switching teams and making huge improvements in certain parts of his, um, you know, racing style. It's been tough to trust the numbers, and so here I'm going to say, yeah, we're we're going to play a pretty decent amount of Matty D here. The price is pretty nice. Uh, keep in mind that in the spring race last year, Paul Menard drove the 21 car, started ninth, finished 10th. So it was a top 10 car last year um, in the spring race. Matty D has been very good at short tracks in his career. Um while it hasn't necessarily shown at Richmond, you also got to consider he's in by far the best equipment he's ever been in. Um, as uh, And then his uh, his row partner here, Ryan Blaney, is actually, and I hate to say this because Ed Rouse was on the podcast last week, uh, but Blaney, I'm going to straight up avoid this week. I really? don't like the way he's, he's really looked. He's just been snake bitten recently. Um... And Richmond is not a track that he's been good at. Um, he just, as I put in the track breakdown earlier, he started 15th in one race here last year and finished 18th. In the other race, he started 22nd and finished 25th. So he just kind of goes around for like 400 laps. Um, he has repeatedly said and did so in both races last year, that he still can't figure this track out. He can't get into a rhythm here. Um, and so, yeah, I just don't. And, by the way, over the last five races, at this price tag on DraftKings, he has failed to reach 1.95 value on average over those last five races here. So 
Not a big fan of Ryan Blaney this week. All right. Next row, Eric Jones, uh, 8,900. Jimmy Johnson, 8,700. I don't hate Jones. I just really like Jimmy Johnson, who's $200 cheaper, and he's starting right next to him. Jones has uh, three top tens in his last four races here at Richmond. Uh, average finish of 9.3. Gains about 11 spots in PD. You know, he's not in the playoffs, but this is, you know, his you know it's it's far from his back nine if there's if we were talking golf but i mean it's it's his last hope to get one last win um i don't think he wins this weekend but i i do really like jimmy johnson this week and i've actually been playing more jimmy johnson um over the last few races just hoping that he finds magic in in just one race and and can help me take down a gpp gpp slate hasn't happened yet obviously Uh, but i do still really like jj this week I do, too. He was in my track breakdown um, as one of the, the drivers in uh, the middle tier that I really liked. Obviously, not a stretch. Everybody here knows he's my favorite driver of all time. But even when he's struggling the last you know two, three seasons, he still managed to be very good at Richmond. Um, mm-hmm. And as for Eric Jones, uh, I think he's okay this week. I don't think he's anything special. Um on FanDuel, I might lean Jones just for the four hundred dollars savings, maybe. Okay. Um, but they're they're pretty close. But I give the edge to Jimmy Johnson. Um, he's just looked. I know he hasn't had the the finishes we've expected, but he's been racing in the top ten consistently over the last eight, nine, ten races. Um, so yeah, I like Jimmy Johnson this week. Okay. Uh, moving on, we have. Very underwhelming line of Matt Kenseth and Michael McDowell. McDowell is 5400 though. Uh, decent price tag, but neither of these guys really do anything for me. No, neither neither one. Um, if you want to take a GPP flyer on a budget play of McDowell, okay. But he, I mean, his history here isn't that great, though he's having a better year than he typically does. Um, Kenseth. I think the charm is worn off at this point for Kenseth. Um, Do you think that he just wishes that he stayed retired? I think at this point he's probably wishing so. I mean, he came back, (laughs) didn't make the playoffs, got a crew chief fired. Now he's going to be out of the car in like, you know, two, a little less than two months at this point. Right. Um, Yeah. There's nothing really particularly special about those, that row for me. Cool. Uh, next row is Ryan Newman and Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick is just the uh, proverbial uh, position differential play, it seems, this week. He's also the nice play of the week at 6,900. Uh, Newman is 7,000 with a top five uh, in his last four races, as well as a top 10 and a top 15. Uh, is New- is there something to Newman here? Does he-, does he typically run pretty well at Richmond? He does, actually. He's got three finishes inside the top 15 here in the last four races, including one top five. Um, So, yeah, he actually runs pretty decently here. Uh, Last year in this fall race, he started 19th and finished 6th. And in the spring race, he started 24th and finished 9th. All right. Yeah. um, It's, you know, he's back to his... He's in the PD mode at this point. Um, <laughs> it does say in the chart that he actually averages the most quality passes per race in the, yeah. over the last four races. 
Yes, he does at 32.3. And for those who are unaccustomed to that stat, because I know it's we don't use it a whole lot, but it's fairly helpful. Quality pass is if you're passing a car in the top 15 under green flag conditions. Um, so, yeah, you can't you don't get credit if you make it into the top 15 on pit road. That doesn't count. Um, you've got to pass them under green flag conditions on the track. So having that many quality passes per race is pretty impressive. I think the next closest is like 26.8. So he's got to beat uh, by about six quality passes a lap, which is or a race, which is pretty, pretty good out of uh, Ryan Newman. So, yeah, I'm probably more on Newman than Reddick. Um, Reddick is usually always in play for GPPs just because you never know with his driving style if it's going to hit or if it's not. So Too high of a starting spot for Priest? <sighs> yeah, I mean, he was fantastic last week mm-hmm. at, at Darlington, but he was starting like 30th or 31st or, you know, he yeah, was starting he was way back. Far. He was starting way back there. Now he's at like 24th. Um I think that's about where he finishes. So, don't see... I mean, if he gets into the top... If he gets a top 20, he hits value, right? Because he needs, what, 31 points on DK? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, what is he... He's starting 24th. Um, if he finishes 20th, that's not going to do it. That's going to get him just shy. So, he's got to finish, like, 18th. Uh, to hit value, is it possible? It's possible, but I don't. I don't necessarily see it. All right. Uh, how do you feel about Chris Busher this week? Uh, Fifty nine hundred. He's normally oh. starting a little bit higher. I actually do kind of like him here in a GPP. The track history absolutely sucks. Hold on a second. Okay. We're gonna have to. You got a tricky edit here. What's up? I think it stopped recording and now it started recording again because the started recording is sitting at a minute and a half. And we were up over 30 minutes on the last one. Uh, so I don't know when it cut off. Fuck. All right. Let's f- let's just finish. Because I'm so tired. That's fine. Right, let's <laughs> let's start finish. again with Busher. Okay. And if people miss a row, then they miss a row. It's fine. All right. Um, three, two, one. Uh, how do you feel about Chris Busher this week? He's 5,900, doesn't have a great track history here, but this is right about where I like to target him uh, as in terms of starting spots. Um, and he's starting right next to Christopher Bell, whose price has been dropping in recent weeks just because hasn't really looked as impressive as he did uh, when we came back from the restart. Uh, he's priced down to 7,200, starting pretty far back. He's got PD, but overall, how do you feel about rookies this week? Um, it's tough because this is actually the first time, like we said earlier, that they're going to be racing at Richmond, um, in a cup car. So yes, while several of these guys have pretty solid track histories at Richmond and Xfinity, uh, if you listen to the drivers, they'll tell you that Xfinity cars and cup cars drive completely differently in this package. So, um, I'm still not really on... Bell, I mean, I know I took a shot on him last week because he was like 300 bucks cheaper than this on DraftKings. Um, but yeah, I think 
I think it's pretty much checked in that, like, his, you know, the team is closing down in, like, nine weeks. He's off to another car next year. He's not in the playoffs. He doesn't have a rookie of the year to compete for at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd take a GPP budget shot on, on Busher, but this line doesn't generally excite me that much. Copy. Uh, next row, we've got Ty Dillon and Daniel Suarez. Ty Dillon not returning to the 13 car next year. Some speculation that he could end up in the 43. Uh, just rumors at this point. He's 6,300, starting next to Daniel Suarez, who has a pretty decent history here, uh, just not the equipment that we've seen him in in previous years. Uh, I feel like the play is Ty, if anybody, out of this line. Yeah, I would go with Ty as well. He tends to be a pretty solid uh, PD guy on short tracks. If Suarez was starting about five spots further back, I'd probably be more on Suarez than Ty Dillon. Um, but the problem is the Suarez is starting about where um, where this car is finishing, and so there's really no PD upside there for Suarez. The track history is good, but again, that was in Stuart Haas and JGR cars. Um, so yeah. I, I'm on tie. Awesome. Uh, I guess we'll just go rapid fire with these cheaper plays. Brennan Poole, Bubba Wallace, John Hunter Nemechek, J.J. Yaley, Quinn Huff, Corey LaJoy. LaJoy's starting spot is actually pretty nice. Plenty of PD there. Um, who do you like from this group? I know we talked a little bit about Bubba and the news uh, that came out recently. It's probably the best spot he's had for position differential in the last few races, though. Yeah, agreed. He's starting pretty far back. His average finish here is 23. Um, he does have a top 15 to his credit at this track. Um, and again, like we said earlier, he's run really, really well this year. Um, in this race last year, he started 37th and finished 13th. So there's some pretty decent PD upside there, which is also why he's $7,100 on DK, which is the highest price you'll find for a guy back here. Um, Aside from that, LaJoy, I like. Um, anybody else, really? No, nah, I mean, not really. I think there's enough mid-tier prices this week that you don't really have to go below, like, 6K on DK. Yeah, I typically don't really dive into the Yaleys or the Huffs. LaJoy, I'll take. A, I'll throw in a few lineups just because yeah. the price tag's friendly. And if, if I am loading up on – if I'm going st- – you know, studs and scrubs. It'll be mostly studs and LaJoy's and scrub. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, that's basically that's, that's basically what we're uh, viewing for the field this week here at Richmond for Saturday night. Yeah, we apologize for uh, the shorter podcast, I suppose. Um, possibly lack of energy, too. It's late, and we've had so much with, with NFL content coming out this week. So, well, uh, we do apologize, uh, but... Matt will have the playbook for the cup race. I will have the playbook for the second Xfinity race. No playbook for the first one. You can thank Kyle Busch for that one. Uh, But Matt, thank you for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.